It's been a year since the COVID-21 pandemic hit ASEAN. Like most businesses, remote working has become the norm for many. The success of platforms like Zoom has put digital communication at the forefront of what the new normal looks like. COVID-19 had one benefit. It forced organizations to embrace digital in a more holistic manner, more or less. This includes the adoption of Unified Communication and Collaborations, or UCC, products and services. How businesses was conducted changed dramatically in 2020 due to the pandemic, driving businesses, as IDC said, to adopt this new platform. And it cuts across both small, medium, and large enterprises. Welcome to Podcasts for Future CIO. In today's episode, we speak to Peter Quinlan, Vice President of Business Collaboration for Tata Communications, on how UCC needs to evolve to meet the new way of working. Peter, welcome to Podcasts for Future CIO. Thanks, Alan. Happy to be here. How do you see the nature of work evolving this year, 2021? I think it's going to be a continuation of what happened in the last year. And as you recall, everybody had to go into an immediate work from home mode almost overnight back in the the first half of last year. We're not quite back to normal yet. I think you used the phrase new normal, and that's probably a good way to put it. A lot of offices have opened up again. A lot of them are still doing a mixed workforce between office and home. But I think the big difference is that people now recognize working from home is legitimate and equal in terms of productivity and an acceptable way to get your job done. Whereas last year, it was a bit of a knee-jerk response. Now it's quite embedded in the way that we operate. So I think you're going to see more of that. I think you'll probably see people getting a bit more fine-tuned in the way that they do different things, like adjusting for what works better with people together in an office and what still remains remote. But I think you'll see more of that happening and people getting just smarter and better at how they do that. Unified communications and collaboration as a term as technology is many things to different people and businesses such as Tata uh, Communications. So in that context, maybe I can get your definition. What do you see is unified communications and collaboration in the context of how we work today? Sure. And I think the way to put it would be an application of technology that enables people to work better together. And I realize that's a very open-ended definition, but I think it should be open-ended because, you know, we think of very early forms of unified communication or collaboration. We had silos in the world of IP telephony, and then we would dial in over PSTN, you know, the dial in on a toll number to call a conferencing service, which was an early cloud service. You know, over the years, that's just come together more and more. And so you've seen, you know, stuff that we now take pretty much for granted in both consumer apps and work apps, whether that's IM and presence, you know, persistent chat functionality, which where the messages remain, you know, as a permanent record and can be categorized or sorted in different ways. You know, the ability to do gone are the days when we used to say, what type of conference is it, right? Is it audio conferencing? Is it video conferencing? Is it a web conferencing? Now just is a conference and people are joining by phone if they can't do video or they might join by video or different types of end points. So all this has come together. It's almost seamless. You know, you can escalate from a chat to a voice call to a conference really without even thinking about it. And I think people become quite adept at that. So at the moment, to give you a more specific definition, it's the combination of using voice, video, chat, and content sharing functionality in a variety of ways to enable collaboration for people to get their jobs done. And you might see other things pop out of that in you know different modes of collaborating. But I think we've pretty much settled on a range of functionality, which are going to be here for the next several years and people will be applying those to the way they get their work done in different ways. Do you see UCC tools becoming less important as a as individual products as most of the region look to adapt this work from anywhere environment? 
it's sort of a constant evolution. I mean, if we had had this conversation three years ago, we would have been talking about converging silos between people would have an audio conferencing service, a video conferencing setup that they ran themselves, or maybe they had a service. They might have a web conferencing service. They'd have IP telephony. You know, within the organization, they'd have a voice guy and a messaging guy. And with the adding of presence information to things like Microsoft Outlook, you've even had desktop applications come into the fray because I can take your email and I can see your name and I can see if you're available and I can chat with you from there. You know, we're off to the races, right? So I think from a user perspective, and some of this has been driven by consumer apps like, you know, WhatsApp, like technologies where the people in the workforce today have used this sort of thing seamlessly in their private lives and they're expecting the same out of their tools. So they don't necessarily care what kind of tool. And we're way past the days where we say, you know, it's purely IP telephony and that stands alone by itself and messaging is a separate service. They're all together now. I think, you know, so you definitely seeing people talk more around functionality and how easily they can get their job done. You still have a little bit of the walled garden approach. You know, you might not be able to say, join a WebEx meeting from a Microsoft Teams client. So you do run into things like that. But most people have found sort of this neutral middle ground in the browser. My company doesn't use WebEx and your company does. I can just go through a, a link and use my browser to do a join a conference and enjoy the same functionality. So we sort of democratize that. And I think, yes, organizations are making decisions about which technology they use, but the users are really getting on with it in terms of functionality. The functionality has converged around those sorts of things, voice, video, chat, presence, information, content sharing. And remarkably, people can sort of get on with new tools relatively intuitively, even if they're just a guest in the meeting, they, they seem to be able to navigate. Yeah, we have come a long way. And I think people are getting on with it and using the functionality rather than worrying about the tools per se. One of the challenges of the CIO has always been the securitizing of the infrastructure. From that perspective, having democratized communication, does this make it more or less challenging for the CIO to keep that security part of his or her responsibility up to task when at the same time, literally saying, have a browser can communicate from anywhere, anytime, pretty much? I think you hit on an interesting point because we've moved from a world where, I mean, if you think about it, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, for years, it's been a paradigm where you had fixed office locations where people came to work and those office locations were connected by closed networks to corporate data centers. And the CIO and his team would have managed that whole thing and they would have locked down security and mobile users would have been the exception, right? They would have come in over a VPN if they wanted access to that network. When they joined over the VPN, it was very much an exception. The experience was, you know, I'm a remote user and some things are limited by the quality of the bandwidth. My company might only have a few VPN gateways, so I might be dialing into Japan or Los Angeles to connect to the corporate network, even if I'm sitting in Singapore. You know, so it wasn't optimal. And what happened with the shift to cloud is a lot of those things, the CIO is still responsible for them, but he's not necessarily accountable for the delivery of them because what you've seen is this paradigm shift where applications that used to be hosted in a company data center are now sitting in the cloud. And for many organizations, 
applications, everything except the core application that runs their business is now shifted to, say, a Microsoft cloud or a Cisco cloud or a Salesforce cloud. And the organizations are really only keeping the core stuff, like maybe the banking application for a bank or the shipping application for a logistics company where they are part and parcel of their business. And so they maintain a closed network and a core network and they host privately for that. But everything non-core, the whole collaboration stack has moved to these clouds. And so the mobile user is now not the exception anymore. The mobile user is the norm because every single user is connecting into the cloud for access to their messaging, their telephony, their meetings experience, their presence information, sharing content. All those collaboration functions sit maybe on a Microsoft Teams environment or a Cisco WebEx Teams environment. And so a lot of the security has moved to the application service provider, Microsoft or Cisco or Salesforce, what have you. If Microsoft gets hacked, yes, the CIO is upset, but no one is saying to the CIO, why didn't you manage the security better? They go after Microsoft. So he has to rely on Microsoft and he's had to, yes, they're they're now evaluating how that security paradigm has shifted. And I think where things have yet to catch up entirely is just that last mile, because I think people are relatively secure, confident of the security of, say, AWS or Microsoft Azure or Salesforce. And, you know, they can look at the connectivity and how the media for those sorts of services are managed. But you still get a lot of people now out there who are on mobile phones, mobile data connections, home Wi-Fi, coffee shop Wi-Fis. And, you know, that all you really need is one point of vulnerability for a hacker. And so I think the paradigm has shifted and you have to get across this new environment where the mobile user is the norm, not the exception. And the app is sitting in the cloud application service provider. And then what new vulnerabilities that create, whether it's on a home Wi-Fi network or, and it's not just security, right? We're talking compliance as well. For many regulated industries, they need to be able to record all the conversations that happen. And that was easy when everybody was at the office on the same PBX and using their office phones. Now what happens if they're using the mobile phone with with a soft client from a cloud application service provider or even using just a mobile phone with a native dialer dialing out using their Singtail or their Starhub plan? So people have to rethink how the security works for that. And I think that's still happening. I think people thought they had more time because prior to the pandemic, the shift to this new paradigm was gradual. With the pandemic, it happened overnight. And I think people are still catching up a little bit. You mentioned something that caught me a little bit surprised that CIOs are no longer accountable simply because they've offloaded this, this service, this communication and collaboration service to a third party. And we expect that third party to provide both the experience and the availability and all of that. I suppose that there will be a point in time where in the case of, for example, with the data security itself, just the topic for a lot of regulators, especially those in the banking industry specifically, for example, even if I outsource my cloud requirements to Azure or Alibaba or Amazon. If something happens, at the end of the day, as a business, uh, the CIO, the CISO, and the CEO to a certain degree will be held accountable to the regulator from that perspective. Does that get translated over from the perspective of communications? Like, Is there a way for the CIO to say, I can still take some responsibility or uh, be accountable for this, while at the same time, I can make sure that the service provider is accountable to me as a customer? Is that possible today? 
Yeah, and I guess maybe to be more clear, the CIO is still accountable to make sure that the system is secure. What I meant to say is a lot of the security for, say, his messaging system, he's no longer hosting that in his own data center and Mm -hmm. responsible for making sure that the servers are secure. That may have moved to Microsoft Teams. So yes, he does need to then go into a governance mode. He's not in an operational mode. I mean, he still has plenty of operational security and compliance requirements he needs to tend to. I'm just saying application security on Microsoft Teams is something that he now validates, but he doesn't necessarily operate. And that you're correct. What typically happen is, you know, there's an extensive due diligence process and people will back off a lot of their SLAs and their liabilities and things to their cloud application providers. But I guess what's happened, not to date myself, but, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember when Salesforce.com came out and we would have conversations like, you know, no one's going to put their customer information on somebody else's server. That was the kind of language people use. And you flash forward another 10, 15 years, however long it's been, now that's the norm. I don't see anybody going around now doing a business case to say, let me have a private, dedicated, hosted instance of a Salesforce type software or a Microsoft application. You know, Microsoft has pretty much moved everything to an as a service model, right? So the paradigm has shifted. You still need to validate and make sure that the security is there and how you need to ensure security is a little bit different. I guess all I meant to say was the security, the CIO is no longer patched an email server, for example, to keep his email secure, right? He's making sure Microsoft does that. As you say, it's more a governance now as opposed to being on the operational side of things. Exactly. The delivery of the service. Uh, speaking of which, have the CIOs or, or enterprises, have they been able to adopt their governance or strategies to accommodate this new model of it's all about service delivery and we don't have to worry about everything else? At least in the area of unified communication and collaboration, are most enterprises, especially in ASEAN, up to date when it comes to ensuring that SLAs are met, the service and the ISIC? and all that? Yeah, I think that by and large, they're up to date. And, and the reason they're they're up to date is because nobody did a flash cut and migrated immediately to the cloud. Most organizations had a secure environment relatively well locked down, and they were very prudent and methodical about how they migrate to the cloud. For most, that process is still ongoing. I mean, you still find organizations that are, you know, moving, say, messaging applications or, you know, moving from a Skype for business environment into a, a Microsoft Teams cloud with the you know the old Skype for business world or IP telephony based on you know PBXs around the region which the enterprise was hosting. So a lot of that infrastructure is still there and they're in the process of doing usually it's a phase-wise migration. They might do it location by location or service by service or line of business one at a time uh, or it might be one service at a time, right? Lots of people migrate the IM and the presence and the messaging for say to Microsoft Teams but they'll migrate the IP telephony slowly over time right and retire the PBX so people are up to date and they're being very careful about how they do that and they don't move until they they're short right obviously I think what's happened is that the sort of idea that you know we can take our time about it or we might sweat the assets and you know wait until that PBX is depreciated another four or five years much of that conversation has gone away and folks are saying I need everybody on a consistent collaboration platform immediately I need to be able to have this and enable work from home or work from office I need it to be 
location independent. You know, my VPN was not designed to support everybody in the entire company working from home. I, I need a different model. And so the, the sort of idea that you had uh, a lot of time to make this transition or that you could do it in a more leisurely fashion, most organizations I've seen have said, okay, well, yeah, we need to speed this up a bit. And they're now aggressively either starting projects or restarting projects that were proceeding with a much longer timeline pre-pandemic. Part of the challenge for any CIO, anybody in the technology space, actually even consumers have this challenge. We are spoiled for choice. There are a lot of solutions, uh, whether it's a hardware or software or service uh, out in the market. And given that for a lot of enterprises, they do have their existing investments in certain technologies, right? What is your advice to the CIO and the leadership when it comes to, we may need to re-architect our communication strategy to support this ability to work from anywhere or that parts of our enterprises will be working from home or from anywhere else except the office. How would you advise the CI? What, What should they be looking at? Number one, I'd look at your starting point, meaning, you know, what technologies have you used in the organization? What are your users accustomed to? What do they like to use to get their job done? And look at, you know, not just the stuff that's supplied by the enterprise itself, but also look at what people have done sort of over the top or BYO model. You know, so you'll have people who are using Zoom or using WhatsApp or using BlueJeans or, you know, any variety of things that these prosumer technologies where they can set up an independent account. Maybe they're doing it with a freemium model and not paying anything. Maybe they're expensing it with their manager just because the you know their manager likes the tool and will let them do it. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff that's crept into the environment and users are, are using it. So you look at what people like, you know, because at the end of the day, the folks getting the job done are the best people to determine what the right tool to get their job done, which have got in there and what people are used to using and look at sort of some of the realistic constraints in terms of invariably as a large organization, you're going to have licensing, you're going to have technology that is still has a useful life. And that will pretty much tell you what your desired end state is going to be. And you're correct. You do have different choices, whether it's Microsoft or Cisco or Amazon or Zoom or you name it, but you can pretty well decide where you want to get to. So you've got a point A, you got a point B, and then it's really just a question of a phased roadmap to get you from one to the other. And how the phases work out, those will vary depending on every organization. It will depend on you know technology questions, but also user questions like what's the pace of change or you know are the legacy systems supporting critical business processes or things that users use to get their job done. You know, there may have been a lot of development that was done for internal processes on the legacy systems, but it's a phased shift. And so you look at ways that you can do that shift in a stepwise manner and look for individual steps that you can take that will make users' life better, make their jobs easier, and also deliver, ideally deliver savings into the overall migration so that you can fund the, the remaining steps in the transition. And generally, each step you take, things just get better and get easier because you build momentum and the, the value of each step sort of compounds the, you know, as people get connected up and get excited about the new technology, it snowballs. So that would kind of be the very high level general approach I would take. Of course, it works out specifics as you apply it to a particular organization. And what questions should the uh, CIO and perhaps uh, even the CFO, since usually the CFO is the one that takes out the checkbook, what questions should these internal leaders ask their service providers when trying to figure out, I've got two choices now, or maybe even three choices, what do I ask each of these vendors to make sure that they're aligned or I minimize any risk that I may incur as I move shift from one or one company to another one towards the provision of, in this case, uh, unified communication? 
So I think you mentioned earlier that a lot of the functionality, you know, you can get roughly similar functionality from many different tools. But I think so. I, I would almost start, although we say it's a cloud model and it's as a service, I would say the CIO should be asking the cloud application provider, you know, to get under the covers a little bit and look at how things are hosted, where they're hosted, how data is managed. Because if it's not there today in, in the market where you're operating, you can almost guarantee that give it a year, give it two years, three years, you know, a lot of the things around regulation, data privacy, security, data sovereignty around where the data is hosted, where data is managed, and not just data, right? We're talking, you know, media, and, you know, calls and video. How does that get managed? So you do need to at least be aware of how that's governed in your industry and how what the future expectation of that is and look at where your cloud provider is hosted and how they're hosted and how they manage the data. So that would be one. And then I would look at on layering on top of that, I would look at well, how well does it work for your organization? And, and believe me, the large ones have pretty much built out a global footprint and they can answer these questions very, very well. Some of the smaller ones are still in the process of rolling out a global footprint and depending on the geography or the countries that you're looking at, you know, you may find sporadic coverage, which then means potentially regulatory challenges, governance challenges, or performance in terms of the way the, the system operates. But most of the big ones that you're talking about will have, have addressed these things and they, you know, they're on the second or third version of their service or maybe maybe even maybe even more mature and you'll be able to to satisfy yourselves against those pretty quickly and then you know on top of that then you layer all sorts of considerations around security functionality and things that are more specific to your industry and user behavior what your users want to do and what experience are they used to and then you've got the obvious questions around cost etc cloud remains what we understand it at least from the perspective of the CIO there are differences in terms of the infrastructure so there are concerns lately we've seen it in the last couple of years talk about hybrid clouds for example when they start taking on this hybrid cloud model that's when they're discovering that there are differences nuances in the way technology is deployed should in the area of unified communication is there such a thing as vendor lock-in Contractually, as you move to cloud, there's probably less of a, a vendor lock-in contractually. But I think practically speaking, given all the considerations, you're making a decision, practically speaking, for several years to come. Although in theory, yes, it's easier to shift from a shift providers when you're in a cloud model. But I think in practice, a large organization that has user behavior to consider, has security, has governance, has manageability, has integration to other systems, it's never going to be simple or easy. So you. although you may have contract flexibility, there's practical considerations that will limit that, so choose very carefully. In 30 seconds, what is Tata Communications' value proposition in this space? Sure. So our value proposition is we're your best partner to get you to your desired end state around unified communication and collaboration. So we'll help you both to manage the transition on a global basis with a, a consistent team and methodology to help you make a risk-free or mitigated risk transition. And we have a, a range of managed services with a single point of accountability for all the pieces of the equation that go into delivering user experience, performance, manageability, visibility, and control of the service once you get there. And all the rough edges that you may find as services integrate or the voice and the application come together, all those things, we round off those jagged edges and make sure that you get a seamless experience as an organization. So we're the partner who helps you execute your collaboration strategy and realize the return on your investment in that strategy. Peter, thank you for joining me on Podchats for Future CIO. Thanks very much. That was Peter Quinlan, Vice President of Business Collaboration for Tata Communications on the topic of how UCC needs to evolve to meet the new ways of working. 
You are listening in the podcast for future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editorsatsociety.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a weekly free newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.